would look with me in your, in your Bibles to the book of Romans, to chapter 8. The book of Romans, and in chapter 8, I'd like for us to read in this chapter, verses 1 through verse 27. Romans in chapter 8, and I'll begin in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. For ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also 
shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what, what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, for he because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'll end our reading there. This passage of Scripture ought to be very familiar with all of us. It ought to be very familiar with every child of God. But as I've often said, uh, there's a danger of familiarity with the scriptures in Bible study in just reading over some things or taking for granted that we know and understand what is there. Our subject is the Holy Spirit. More especially, we'll be looking at the importance of the Holy Spirit's work as well as the importance of us having the Spirit. I read this passage here in Romans in chapter 8 really for this reason. Have you ever noticed when you read Romans in chapter 8, these verses that we have looked at and we've studied on many different occasions, have you ever noticed how many times the Apostle Paul mentions the Holy Spirit in these verses. You may not have noticed it, but 19 times in just the verses that we have read, the Holy Spirit is mentioned by the Apostle Paul. 19 times. The Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an equal person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is equal with God the Father and with God the Son. The working of the Holy Spirit is just as important and essential as the workings of God the Father and is equal in, in importance of that of God the Son. I think that is not recognized by many today, but the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, equal in deity with the Father and the Son. His work is just as important 
as that of the Father and the Son. And I'll say this, the working of the Holy Spirit is just as vital and essential as the working of the Father and the Son in the salvation of sinners. I've said some do not view it this way. Some totally disregard the working of the Holy Spirit. Some have a view of the Holy Spirit as if he is just an influence or a power, but not actually a person of the Godhead. There are others who, who hold the view that the role of the Holy Spirit is somehow subordinate to that of the Father and of the Son. But I'll say again, there is equality in the Godhead. One cannot be a lesser God than the other. Even so, one cannot be a greater God than the other. In the salvation of sinners, the working of the Holy Spirit is very prominent. As I said, it's very essential. Without the working of the Holy Spirit, there simply is no salvation. I think this is pointed out especially in verse 9 of our reading in Romans in chapter 8 where the apostle Paul did write, but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. And then he did write, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That is a, a pretty bold statement there, inspired by the Holy Spirit himself. Without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, along with the effectual workings of the Holy Spirit, there simply is no salvation. Without what the Holy Spirit does to us, for us, and in us, there simply is no salvation. I'm going to read in John chapter 6, and I'm going to go over several other verses, but I want to read this in John chapter 6. And in verse 63, where Jesus said, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. You know that word quickeneth means to give life. It is the Spirit that gives life. Well, we know immediately without the person and working of the Spirit, there is no spiritual life. It is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The flesh profiteth nothing. I go back to John chapter 3 and just mention to you verse 8. Well, I mentioned first of all verse 7. Jesus said there, you must be born again. You must be born again. In verse 8, the, the wind bloweth where it listeth, 
and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now there is no new birth without the Holy Spirit of God. Born of the Spirit. You must be born again for in verse 3 of the same chapter unless or except one is born again he cannot see, perceive, nor enter into the kingdom of God. But then we are told this birth is by the Holy Spirit of God. I won't turn there, but in Ephesians in chapter 4 and in verse 30, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. There is our preservation. We are sealed by the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians and in chapter 6, in 1 Corinthians and in chapter 6, I'm going to read verse 19. Verse 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? The Holy Spirit indwells individuals. Indwells individuals. Romans in chapter 8 again, there are several verses there. You might just notice in Romans 8 and in verse 14, led by the Spirit. In verse 15, it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption. In verse 16, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Just consider that for a moment. The only one that can truly tell you that you are saved is the spirit of God. The spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. In verse 26 of the same chapter, the Spirit makes intercession for us. We think of Jesus as our intercessor, but so is the Holy Spirit of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and in verse 13, your election of God is not only mentioned, but it is also the sanctifying of the Holy Spirit. Be sanctified is to be set apart. Set apart by the Holy Spirit of God. And again, what a great blessing that is. In Romans in chapter 5 again, uh, and in, excuse me, Romans 5, and in verse 5, you read there that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given us. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 12 and in verse 13. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us the things of God. We have Bible teachers and there are preachers. But what we say is meaningless without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that takes the Word of God and enables us to receive it and, and, and puts power with the Word of God. The power is not in the individual speaking. It is the Holy Spirit of God. In Romans in chapter 15 and in verse 13, saints abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. Hope, that, that great expectation of the promised things of God. In Galatians and in chapter 5 and in verse 25, true believers live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. If you are a true believer, that's your life. You live in the Spirit and you walk in the Spirit. You notice back in Romans in chapter 8, you might notice in verse 11, the Spirit's work in our future resurrection from the dead. The working of the Holy Spirit is very important. Now, we have these verses, and there's so many more. The, the teaching of the Holy Spirit is a broad subject. But I want to remind you of this in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians and in chapter 2 and in verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. All the things that we have read, there again there's so many more, mean absolutely nothing to an unbeliever. They cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, in verse 14, the Scripture says, For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Our election of God unto salvation, the atoning work of Jesus Christ, His precious blood, those things are, are foundational. But we must never separate those things from the effectual working of the Holy Spirit of God. They are all necessary and essential. I think we could rightly say that the Father purposed our salvation, the Son purchased our salvation, the Holy Spirit applies this salvation along with all the benefits in Christ. Again, these things go hand in hand. I said that all three persons are equal. They are equal in deity, and they're also equal in their purpose. They're equal in their purpose. The redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ never goes beyond the purpose of God in divine election. 
And in like manner, the, the working of the Holy Spirit of God in giving spiritual life never goes beyond the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, they're all equal. They're all equal. Those whom the Father has chosen unto salvation, the Son purchased their salvation with his precious blood, and the Holy Spirit of God will in time give spiritual life unto every one of these. He will not come short of that number, nor will he go beyond that number. Again, they are equal in purpose. They're equal in, in dignity and in deity, and they should be equal in our minds, in praise and glory and thanksgiving unto the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go back to John chapter 3 just a moment. In John in chapter 3, and we looked here just a moment ago briefly, in John chapter 3, and again I'm going to begin in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You must be born again. That is an indisputable fact from the very mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again. Well, how is it that one is born again? How is it that one is born again? Billy Graham wrote a book one day, How to Be Born Again, the most foolish thing I've ever seen. How to be born again. As if we can do something to initiate our own birth. I'm going to go to John chapter 1. John in chapter 1. Verse 12 and verse 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I'll say again, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, 
nor of the will of man, but of God. As I pointed out in John chapter 3, you can read it in verse 6. You can read it in verse 8. Born of the Spirit. That's God. Born of the, the Spirit. Those who are truly born of the Spirit of God are referred to in Scripture as being spiritual. Those who are not born of the Spirit, who are yet in their sins, are referred to as natural. In this world, you have those two sets of people. Natural, those who have been born again, they are referred to as spiritual. Look in 1 Corinthians and in chapter 2. 1 Corinthians and in chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading here in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now just pause there for a moment. God has also prepared some things for those that do not love him. We don't want to be in that category. I'm going to read verse 9 again. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what knoweth knoweth for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given unto us. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, that's the one I mentioned a moment ago, the unsaved has not the Spirit of God. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual. Now again, verse 14 speaks about the one that is natural. Verse 15 he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. 
back in Romans in chapter 8. I'll mention again verse 9. Well, we'll begin in verse 7 to begin with. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, those that are in the flesh are those who have only been born of the flesh and have never been born of the Spirit of God. This is the natural man. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you are unsaved, you cannot please God. You cannot please God. Verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. The Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, he says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you have not the Spirit of God, you are not justified by the blood of Christ. You're not clothed in the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ you are yet in your sins. The book of Jude. The book of Jude, I'm going to read verse 19. The verses before 19 give a description of the natural man, the unbeliever. In verse 19 it says, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Separate themselves from all of the things of God. Sensual only, natural only, fleshly only. Having not the Spirit of God. Every unsaved person is in that category. Dead in trespasses and sins, having not the Spirit. If you have not the Spirit, no matter how religious you might be, no matter how moral you might be, you have no right to be called or recognized as a Christian. You're not worthy of the name. You have no claim to it if you have not the Spirit of God. You don't even have a right to view yourself as a Christian if you have not the Spirit of Christ. If you have not the Spirit, the Scripture says you are none of His. Again, it's a very, very strong statement. And it leads me to this question. It's a very important question. How does one receive the Holy Spirit of God? Now, it would do me no good to say all I've said 
if I don't inform you how it is that you receive the Spirit of God. Well, I'll say this in just a very concise manner in the very same way you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Look in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts and in chapter 10, Acts and in chapter 10, and I'm going to read verse 45. Acts 10 and in verse 45. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. You might remember in Romans chapter, chapter 5, we read it a moment ago. I'm going to read it again. Romans in chapter 5 and in verse 5, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given us. How does one receive the Holy Spirit? It's through faith. It's through faith. It's a gift of God. By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in John chapter 7. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 7. Verse 38 and verse 39. He that believeth on me, and notice that's where it begins. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, there's a lot in that, but notice this. He spake of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Believe on him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians and in chapter 3. Galatians, and in chapter 3, verse 2. Galatians 3 and in verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. If you look back, to Ephesians and in chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 14. Speaking of Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed 
with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just that simple. It's through faith. It's just that faith. Look in the book of 1 John, and I'm going to read this and bring this to a close. The importance of the Holy Spirit. You have absolutely no assurance of your salvation separate and apart from the Holy Spirit of God. In the book of 1 John, and in chapter 4, 1 John and in chapter 4, notice verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of the Spirit. We know, how do we know? But because he's given us his Spirit. How do you know you dwell in Christ? Because God has given us of his Spirit. In chapter 3 of 1 John, and in verse verse 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. We have the same message over and over and over again. It all comes down to one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No salvation separate and apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Ross, come and lead.